Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Well, good morning. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11. This is going to be good. Turn to the person next to you and say it's going to be good. It is. If the preacher can preach, it'll be good because the Word of God is good. Amen? <clears throat> Let me just say a couple things real quick, just a little, some housekeeping things. First of all, we don't do anything just to be busy. You know, I really like playing golf, and I love to fish. So if I'm going to do anything to keep busy, it's to play golf and fish. Right? So we, when we do something, we are expecting a move of God. We're, we're, there's an expectation that God's up to something. We go to West Stanley Christian Ministries not so that we can be busy. We go there because we believe that when we go, that we carry the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is going to reach out to people who desperately need a touch from God. Right? The prayer night on the 14th, we believe, is crucial to the future of Eastside Church. It is a prophetic loosing of the kingdom of God and the purposes of God in this church. Amen? It's not a scheduled event because we know we need to pray. Yes? So I encourage you, please, if you can, put it in your schedules. It's going to be an awesome night. We're going to do soaking prayer. We're going to do intercessory prayer. We're going to be stomping prayer. We're going to do all kinds of prayer. And it's going, to be, it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. It's Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read verse 13 through 16. I'm going to read it in the ESV first. And then I'm going to follow that up in the message. I've titled the message this morning, God, I've got a question. What do I have to do to please you? What do I have to do to please you? What pleases you, God? What does my life need to look like so that you'll be happy with me? What do I need to do to please you? It's a great question, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 through 16 answers that. It is the chapter that talks about the fathers of the faith, those that we need to look at and see how they practiced their belief system, what they believed, how they practiced it. And actually, uh, it is as it references them, it references the fact that they never ever saw the promises that God had promised them. The motivation for this message was this. There are so many of us in different, uh, different places in life, and sometimes we feel like, you know, well, God has promised me this, or I got this word from God, or I got this message from God when I was 22 years old, and now I'm 40 years old, and I hadn't seen any of it happen, or I've seen some of it happen, but not as much as I thought would happen by now. Or maybe you're going through a time of, you know, you've got some health issues or some news or maybe just some, some hormonal issues or whatever happens, right? It does, right? Uh, that, that happens, uh, any type of issue. Maybe you've got financial issues that you didn't know. 
that you were going to be facing, or you certainly didn't expect, because this is what the promise of God is for believers, then, then why ain't God doing that in my life? Or why hadn't it happened yet? This vision God gave me, why hadn't it happened yet? So the motivation of the message is that. And, and what I want you to see about these is that these in chapter 11 that are mentioned for us as people to look at, they never saw the promises. They died and didn't see any of the promises. All they had was the revelation of the promise, and they knew that the promise was going to be fulfilled. It just wasn't going to be while they were living. But they lived their life anyway as if the promise was going to occur when they were alive. Joseph finds himself in a prison. I was reminded of this this week. And, and, and the way it was put, and I think I heard it in a message, Mike. I'm not even sure if it was the Lord or if I heard, we heard it when we were in a message. But Joseph was in a prison. Now, Joseph got this vision, this promise from God. You remember? Everybody was going to bow, and, da, 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 and his brothers got ticked off because they didn't want to bow, and they threw him in a hole, and then they sold him in slavery, and he finds himself in prison. And he says about himself, I'm sure this is not what the vision was. This isn't what the promise looked like to me. I'm sitting in my own poop. I'm peeing in a cave or in a dungeon, and it's all rolling to the middle because the middle is the lowest point. Doesn't look, look much like the promise. In the middle, sometimes, God has to teach us how to be like him because it says about Joseph that God was with Joseph and he prospered. How did he prosper in those conditions? He prospered because he recognized God. He had revelation of God. He believed the promise in the midst of horrific circumstances and he stayed true to the vision of God. Amen? Amen. So let's read. Hebrews chapter 11, 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return to orphanage, to slavery, to imprisonment, to captivity, to the things that aren't promised. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Why? There's a therefore, and the therefore is there, therefore reason, right? Because they didn't look at their circumstances. They didn't desire to go, to go back to a place where they've always been or where they came from. Or maybe they, they saw that, you know, I chose to follow God and it, life was looked even better when I wasn't following God, so I want to go back to that place. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, let's read this in the message. It just kicks it up a notch. 
So I, I kind of like the way the message puts it. Each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised. I like the picture of that, don't you? But still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance. They waved their greeting at it and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted. But they were a far, after a far better country than that, a heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. How do I please you, God? Well, the first thing we've got to understand about pleasing God and what we see in these passages of Scripture is all that we need to do is believe. We've got to believe God. We've got to have a right understanding about God, about who He is, and about His nature and His character. Now listen, we take this for granted in the church. Because I talk to person after person after person who think that somehow the Old Testament God got saved and changed his nature and character and then began to do something different totally in the New Testament. And that was the God who killed everybody. And God's not like that anymore. He's like this. What's your image of God? You know, it's important to, to believe and have revelation of the truth of the nature and the character of God. If you don't get that, you don't have anything to build on. The first thing that you've got to do is have revelation of the nature and the character of God. And the truth and what the Word tells us is that God is good. Everything in nature, you know, that we see like, like hurricanes and tornadoes and, you know, wildfires and all those things, you know, we as a nation and as people call that an act of God. It's interesting, isn't it? Do you know that if, if the fall had never happened, there wouldn't be that chaos and, and how God takes that chaotic thing and keeps the globe at a certain temperature? Did you know if we didn't have hurricanes? To bring the hot air up from the, that we, that we would have, we'd all freeze? You know, he takes something negative and turns it to good because God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. There, there's something God takes and, 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 we, and we give God credit for sin. We give God credit for evil oftentimes. Why does God let this happen? If you know the nature and character of God, you know that God is not doing something. Why did God do this? Why did God let that happen? And we give that aspect of life we give that thing we give his nature that credit does that make sense but god gave adam and eve a choice and they chose evil and and there's a prince of the power of the air 
that it, a force, a, a hellish force that is at work in this deal. And God established the church to fight against that force. And he sent Christ Jesus here to empower us to fight that force. And so we need to be really careful of our image of God and giving God credit for what hell brings toward us. So it's important that we know the nature of God, but it's equally as important to know what's not his nature. That's not God. That's not his nature. That's not who he is. If you can't identify that, you can't identify the battle. You don't know the enemy. Isaiah says this, 43, 10 through 13. This is from the message as well. But you are my witnesses, God's decree. He decrees that we are his witnesses. You're my hand-picked servant so that you'll come to know and trust me. Understand both that I am and who I am. Previous to me, there was no such thing as a God, nor will there be after me. I, yes, I am God. I'm the only Savior there is. I spoke and I saved. I told you what existed long before these upstart gods appeared on the scene, and you know it. You're my witness. You're the evidence. That's God's decree. Yes, I am God. I've always been God. I will always be God. No one can take anything from me. I make who can unmake it. He is God. We have to know he, we were created, we're his witnesses to know, to both know him and understand him. Know who he is. It's imperative. A.W. Tozier says, it says this, he, that we've been given a supernatural book to give us supernatural aid. It's impossible to live this life in success and, and prospering without supernatural book with supernatural aid. The supernatural book is the Word of God. The supernatural aid is the Word of God coming alive in you and me and being pushed out. It's amazing what God's doing in this service. If you'll hear the voice of God, you're going to hear so much that was done in the song. Michael and I don't collude on what songs to sing. I have no idea what he's doing. He has no idea what I'm doing. We don't plan that out. We think God's big enough to make this happen. And when you listen to the words of these songs and you hear this sermon, God is shouting to this congregation this morning. A.W. Tozier writes this as well. This is his book, uh, The Pursuit of God. He said, uh, Christian theology teaches the doctrine of grace, and there's this part of grace that he talks about briefly. He says, briefly stated, it's this, that before a man can seek God, God must first have sought out that man. What did we just sing? Did you hear what we just sang? Before a sinful man can think a right thought about God, there must have been a work of enlightenment done within him in that man imperfect it may be but a true work nonetheless and the secret cause of all desiring and seeking and praying which may follow we pursue god because and only because he has first put an urge within us that spurs us 
to pursue him. No man can come to me, said our Lord, except the Father which has sent me to draw him. And it is by this very grace, drawing that God takes from us every vestige of credit for the act of becoming. The impulse of pursuit God originates comes from him. But the outworking of that impulse is our following hard after him. There is a pursuit of God that has to begin once you've gotten revelation about God. Let me just tell you similarly how it works. I'm going to drop this. It's, it's similar to gravity. When you're talking about a supernatural book with supernatural aid, you've got to understand that there's a force. There is a force, and a, 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 uh, a supernatural force, whether it be good or evil, there is an invisible realm, and it's just as real, if not more real, than what we see because the invisible realm is eternal. What we see currently is going to pass away, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, right? And so the things of the kingdom and the movement of God is like gravity. You, you, you move into it when you agree with it, when you believe, and when you do, it has momentum, it, it moves something forward. That's why it's so important what you say and how you repeat the Word of God. You've got to believe this is the Word and the ways of God, and I'm going to believe it by begin to speak it even when I don't see it and so, so that it can begin to take place. They believed it and they spoke it even though they didn't see it. Well, the hellish forces is the same way. I, 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 you know, you hear parents all the time, and I heard this the other day, and it was said about my grandson, and I really, I rebuked this person in the church. They said, there's trouble. And I said, no, that's not trouble. That right there is a son of God or a daughter of God. That right there is a precious treasure. That's not trouble. That right there is an anointed woman of God that has purpose, a destiny beyond what she could ever imagine or think. That's who that is right there. That is the favorite of God because hell has gravity too. The force that you use and the way that you believe and think and what you say comes out of the heart. It tells you what you believe and it has force. Jesus said it this way. He says, from the throne, there's going to be this river. There's going to be this supernatural thing that happens, and it's called the Word of God. And the Spirit of God and the Word of God are going to flow down this river, and everything that it touches is going to give life. It's going to have life. Everything it touches. Jesus said it like this. The temple of God, the throne of God now is you and me. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, this God. And he says about you and me, out of us will flow rivers of living water. The throne of God, Ezekiel, John, where Jesus tells what's going to happen in the church. With you and me, either hell can flow out of us or heaven can flow out of us. Whatever force you align yourself with, what you believe 
matters. What you believe about God and about yourself in God. In that passage of Scripture, it says that he was proud to call them sons and daughters. Why? Because they believed him. They believed him. How do I please God? Believe him. Believe him. So we've got to believe God. We've got to believe the right things of God. We've got to seek the word as if your life depended on it. It's not a task list of things to do and don't do. It's life and truth. And you've got to seek the word of God as if your life depended on it. Listen to me. Do you, do you hear that? One of the things, I think there's been a prophetic uh, speaking out about Eastside. And we, we're going to pray this in on the 14th. That we're going to get a passion for the word of God like that's going to blow the city away. It's going to happen here. We're, we're going to press until we've got it. We're going to press until we know the word. We're, you know, we're going to seek God. He is the word. The, the, God became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the Word. This is Jesus. You've got to want to know the Word of God, the water of God, the life of God, the truth of heaven. You've got to know the boundaries and the nature of the kingdom that is not of this world. You've got to know it in your heart. You've got to desire it as if your life depended on it because it does. If life isn't going real good for you, it's probably because of the gravity of your ignorance in walking out things that are of this world and not of the other world. We've got to seek the word as if our life depended on it. And then we've got to expect God to, to speak through the word, expect God to do the word, even if it takes a miracle. If it's in the Word, we have to expect. You know, can you think? I mean, this just blew my mind as I'm thinking about this message. Can you think about Abraham when he says, when he God says, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to take him up and I want you to sacrifice him. Can you imagine if he didn't have an intimate relationship with God? whether he would have even identified the revelation or the voice of God and be able to discern between whether it was God or the enemy. That doesn't sound like God. That sounds like the enemy. The enemy's telling me to kill my son. I'm going to rebuke those thoughts, rebuke those thoughts, rebuke those thoughts. But he had such an intimate relationship with God that he knew the voice of God. And that is a call that is available to the believers. He is pointing out with that specific thing in mind in Hebrew chapter 11, that that very intimate relationship with God is available for you and me. And we can know the voice of God because Abraham said in his heart, if I do what he's asking me to do, my God can work the miraculous and raise him from the dead. That was his immediate thought. Well, if I do this, God's just going to raise him up. Why? Because he saw the crucifixion of the only Son of God. And he saw that, and he knew that that's exactly what was going to happen. And he built his life on that promise. 
carried it out. He moved in it. We got to expect God to do the miraculous. We got to believe that that he we got to believe what he said more than what we think, how we think or what we feel. You've got a way of thinking and a way of feeling. And to get to this place that God is asking us to get to, we've got to believe him over what we think. We've got to believe him over how we feel. And then we've got to never give up on God because God is looking for perseverance. Amen? So we've got to believe God. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to worship. This seems simple, doesn't it? All we got to do is believe. All we got to do is worship. We've got to seek intimacy with God because intimacy breeds expectancy. Intimacy breeds expectancy. When we're intimate with God, immediately our hope, (laughs) that's all. It's amazing to me. My faith and my hope are renewed. When I worship you, immediately I have faith again. I have hope again. My my mind's being stretched. And if we don't live a lifestyle of worship, then when we walk out to the door, so does my faith and hope. It stays right in here. So our eyes need to be on the solution giver and not the problem. And when... Our eyes are on the solution giver and not our problems. Then our expectancy begins to match his expectancy. And he says this, I have exceedingly abundantly, above all you can imagine or think, planned for you. That sounds like the miraculous, doesn't it? It sounds supernatural, doesn't it? It sounds like grace. But there's a common mistake that I see Christians make all the time. And that is, when they have trouble, when things come, they go to people before they go to God. And when you do that, you're opening up faulty thinking. Because if you'll do it this way, if you'll go to God before you go to people, He'll use people to encourage you and validate what he tells you. But we have to have an intimate relationship with God that's personal. You know, he, he calls your name. He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. He said, Sam, he said to Samuel, 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 Samuel said, somebody's calling me. He knows your name. He's going to call you personally. He's not calling us collectively. He's calling you individually. And unless he calls you individually and you have an individual revelation of the nature and the character of God, you cannot move forward in him. And then when you do have it, though, you can seek him and he can reveal himself to you as an individual. And that's called intimacy with God. And then you get to know who he is, what he's about, and who you are in him and what's available to you as a believer. And so we've got to 
come to a place where we live in a lifestyle of worship. And so that takes practice. It takes practice. Now, this is what I believe is seen in this passage of Scripture, and I'm going to highlight a few things in 11. And then we're going to take communion. What they did, when it says here, it says they, they realized that they weren't from here. In other words, there, there are limitations here. We're limited here. Right? Would you agree with me? There's, there's limitations here. They came to understand that they weren't from here. This is not their home, nor are they limited by what everybody else is limited to because they serve God. In other words, they took the limits off. They began to open themselves up to the miraculous. They began to say, I don't live in this finite world. I live in an infinite world because I serve an infinite God. And although what I see is finite because I serve an infinite God, oh, that's a possibility with me. Because I seek a kingdom that's not of this earth. There's a belief that God is bigger than what we see. It moves from a finite way of thinking to an infinite way of thinking. Let's look at verse 13. They all died in the faith, not having received the promises. Say that with me. Not having received the promises. Say it like you, like you got a grip on it. Not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar off. Look at their posture. They were assured of the promises. How are you assured? There's only one way to be assured, and that is to have a personal revelation. They had a personal revelation with God. They had an intimate encounter and a revelation of God that assured them that if I do this, God's going to raise him from the dead. Or if I keep my mouth shut and I walk around the walls of Jericho, I'm not sure how he's going to do it, but my God, my, 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 my finite world is about to meet my infinite God. And the walls of Jericho are about to go hit the ground. You name it one thing after another. And what you see is, is you see an infinite God moving into a finite situation. And so they were assured that these promises, they had this revelation. And the next thing they did was they embraced the promises. You embrace them. You believe them. You know that they're going to happen. They're going to happen. So and so is going to be healed. So-and-so is going to, the marriage is going to get right, and it's going to look like heaven. There, there's going to be a financial breakthrough for, for somebody. I'm praying for Kevin Hoff right now. He needs a financial breakthrough. And we're believing that any generational, cultural stuff that ever has been lorded over you or shown to you be broken in the name of Jesus... And that you're going to move without fear and without doubting into an infinite 
atmosphere where God can begin to do things on your behalf. And there are others in the room that need that to happen. You need to believe and you need to be assured and you need to embrace the promise they believed and they begin to move and they confess that they were strangers. And God says because they understood that they weren't of this, that, the, that they were looking toward the kingdom of heaven, that he called them, that's my sons and that's my daughters. How do you please God? You believe and you worship and you embrace his promises. There's my son. There's my daughter. They sought the kingdom, kingdom limit. They took the limits off. The finite was taken off. They never give up. Let me read this. This is, this is the song you sang. I didn't know you were singing the song. Just want to point that out. Listen to this. You go before I know that you've gone to win my war. You come back with the head of my enemy, referring to uh, David and Goliath. You come back to, with the head of my en enemy. You come back and you call it my victory. You go before I know that you've gone to win my war. Your love becomes my greatest defense. It leaves me from the dry wilderness. All I did was praise. All I did was worship. All I did was bow down. And all I did was stay still. Hallelujah. You have saved me. So much better to do things your way. Hallelujah. Great defender. So much better your way. You know, before, you know before I do where my heart can seek to find your truth. You know before I do where my heart can go and seek your truth. That's in the dungeon. That's in the waiting. That's in the hard places. Where he says, I want to show you who I am. The promise is still yes and amen. But I'm giving you who I am and who you are in me. Your mercy is the shade I'm living in. You restore my faith and hope again. And all I did was praise. And all I did was worship. And all I did was bow down. And all I did was stay still. Hallelujah. You have saved me so much better this way. Hallelujah. Great defender, so much better this way. Hallelujah. You have saved me so much better your way. Hallelujah, great defender, so much better your way. When I thought I lost me, when I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. You reintroduced me to your love. You picked up all my pieces and you put me back together. You are the defender of my heart. Hallelujah, you have saved me so much better this way. Hallelujah, great defender, so much better your way. And all I did was praise. And all I, and all I need to do is worship. Lord, I will just bow down. 
I'm just going to stay still. There was a word given to me just a few minutes ago that I think applies to what I think the Lord wants to do if the ushers will come and go ahead and start passing out communion. I just want to go over a few things with you. There's some in the room that I believe has never really come to a place of surrender. You've never really surrendered your way to God's way. And you need to do that today. You say, I need to fully surrender. Everything about my life, I surrender. God, I hear you calling me, and I know somebody can't surrender for me. Some of you feel like, listen to this. Listen, y'all need to listen while they pass it out, okay, please? I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is urgent for me. Some of you have walked your way so long, you don't know whether you can get back to Jesus. You've been going your pattern, your way of thinking, your way of doing so long, you don't know your way back. You've got pieces strewn all over the place, and the Lord's saying to you, I know where those pieces are. I'm going to put you back together. prophetic word was this. It's like somebody who has a messy house and the doorbell rings and you don't want to go to the door because your house is messy. And Jesus is knocking at your door. He wants you to open the door and he says to you, I got the mess. I got the mess. Don't worry about the mess. I'll take care of the mess. Y'all hear the Lord this morning? Y'all hearing the Lord this morning? You know, there's none of us. Liz and I prayed yesterday in the pool together. It's an awesome time. Well, yeah, in the pool is an awesome time. But I mean, how many people pray in the pool? Worship and prayer. A long session. There's none of us here that don't need a touch from God. There's none of us here that don't need to be rescued. And no longer, no matter how long you've been walking with Christ, you still need to be rescued. You still need to be healed. Your marriage still needs to look like Jesus. You need wisdom. You need direction. You need to be transformed into his word, into his way. You need to get rid of the way this earth has marked you. One of the things that's really in my mind is this, this whole idea of culture. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call it out. Can I call it out? And not I'm not doing this to offend. I just wanna expose. Trying to do this? Everybody good with me doing it? If you're not, too bad. I'm going to do it anyway. So let's start with the, the Caucasian culture. I mean, you can see throughout history a Caucasian way of thinking. It's a culture. 
that doesn't look a lot like God, and sometimes done in the name of God. And then we see we see the African. Well, you you really are African. I mean, you're not like African American. I mean, you're like real African. I mean, and there's a culture with that, isn't there? I mean, it's a whole culture with that. But the African American culture is that. And then there the, the the Hispanic culture. Any other cultures that are represented in the room that would identify? I'm gonna tell you another culture. I know Pam's here. Pam's here, and Eric's here. And then, and then we've got Jason and his wife is here as well. But there's a culture where you've got a mixed, a, a, a mixed couple. And that's a culture. And then you've got a culture that fights that culture. Don't you? Have you ever experienced that, Pam? Yeah. <laughs> well, what I'm saying about that is it's not kingdom. You know, and we have family cultures that don't look like kingdom. And one of the things I think the Lord wants to do is, see, these people, they broke all that off. And there's no thought that, you know, my family was a great family. They don't really need prayer or they don't need anything broken off. Really? Wow. So your family was just like God. Wow. Must have been an awesome family. I hadn't seen one of those yet. You see what I'm saying? We all have to break away from that culture and adopt kingdom culture. And when it doesn't look like it, we've got to, we've got to move into it. We've got to believe it and accept it. And that's what Jesus did at the cross. He says, I've got this new way of living that's available to you. Right? I've got kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's available to every believer because God himself is going to be poured out on you and actually live in every believer. There's a culture available to you. And he's going to lead you into life and truth. So Jesus took the bread and said, this is the new covenant which was broken in my body was broken for you. He says, every time you You take this, remember the price I paid to bring about the possibilities for the church and all who would believe. So we take the bread. And he took the cup likewise, and he said, this is my blood. This is the blood of the new covenant. Every time, listen, let's just put it in real... This is so good. Every time you take this cup, you move from the finite to the infinite. Because that's what I did. Remember that you're not in the finite. You're in the infinite. You're in in the place of the possibility of the miraculous of a great God. Because he calls you son and daughter. Let's take the cup. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the possibilities. Father, why don't you lay hands on somebody near you? Just just lay hands on each other. We're going to pray.
And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up front. If you're one of those who, first of all, who are far away from God, you feel like you've got pieces all over the place, you don't know where they are, you need to be put back together, you need to come to a place where you're doing that. If you if you feel like your house is all messy and you're scared to answer the door, he's knocking. He says, if you'll open the door, he'll come in. He'll, he'll clean the mess up. You need to let him in. You need to come up and you need to get prayer. But we're going to pray over a lot of people right now we're going to say this Father let's say it really loudly with force having gravity and push Father in the name of Jesus I pray for revelation of the nature and the character of Almighty God may there be intimacy in relationship may the eyes be open May the ears be unclogged. May the hearts be softened. May it be great soil that bears much fruit of the infinite and not the finite. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.